we'd like to welcome everybody who's joining us for part two of the Designs of Evil and Conspiring Men, a word of wisdom for our day. So a brief recap of what we talked about last week. The word of wisdom is actually, a word of wisdom revelation is a type of revelation. It's not a specific revelation. Although, you know, we use it today in the LDS church to refer specifically to DNC 89. But a word of wisdom revelation is not a thus saith the Lord revelation. A word of wisdom revelation is a revelation in which one takes the best understanding and wisdom of one's day and applies the spirit to it. And specifically, uh, the crux of DNC 89 is verse 4. Now, behold, verily, thus saith the Lord unto you, in consequence of the evils and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men in the last days. So pay particular attention that it says, which do exist and which will exist. Well, primarily the designs of evil and conspiring men as it came to uh, health, nutrition um, of the saints back in Joseph Smith's day was that the evil conspiring men were trying to poison the sacramental wine. Um, we have a completely different set of evil and conspiring men today. And as a result, when we take the best wisdom and understanding and science of our day and we apply the spirit to it, we get an updated version of section 89. Now, first, in the creation of GMOs, and GMOs are genetically modified organisms. Now, this does not mean a hybrid or a grafting <coughs> in, which is a natural process and happens uh, horizontally in a family of plants. Uh, genetic modification is gene splicing that is done horizontally, often um, not within a family of plants, but, you know, often across entire kingdoms. And uh, it was never intended that healthy food would be, um, you know, created out of gene splicing that would go horizontally and across kingdoms. And what you're doing when you do that is you're introducing genetic code into a very complex um, set of biological code and you have a myriad of unintended consequences in addition to those consequences which were intended and so the major gmo crops are corn soy canola sugar beet alfalfa cotton, Hawaiian papaya, potato, zucchini, and yellow neck squash. And so I highly recommend that if you're eating any of these, that you either make certain that they are organic, USDA certified organic, which guarantees that uh, a genetically modified 
uh, organism, you know, has not, uh, you know, present in the vegetables you're buying or that the seeds that were used to plant these crops were heirloom. Now, an heirloom seed is a non-hybridized seed um, that well predates uh, the modern era of genetic modification of plant genomes. And so, again, you know, if you're consuming any of these uh, fruits or vegetables, it's really critical that you get an heirloom or USD organic variety. Because, you know, the quick example, many of these crops are engineered to withstand the spraying of Roundup and the active ingredient in Roundup being glyphosate. And uh, glyphosate has a myriad and cascade of detrimental health effects on, um, you know, the human population. And, you know, second... Um, there are specific traits that are inserted into uh, genetically modified crops. Um, you know, for example, into some of the genetically modified crops, you have the insertion of the BT toxin gene from the BT mold. Well, if an insect eats the BT toxin, its gut splits open and it dies. Well, that will be engineered into things like the corn genome which literally turns each kernel of corn into a pesticide factory. Well, when we eat the kernel of corn that, you know, is encoded with the BT toxin, it actually splits our gut lining open. And, you know, we develop, you know, a condition called leaky gut, where things that are supposed to be contained within our gut are allowed into, you know, our body. And some people are very sensitive to, uh, you know, many proteins that are then leaking into our blood and we mount an autoimmune response. Now, in addition to just the genetically modified organisms, there are many crops that are sprayed with Roundup because it acts as a drying agent or a desiccant, you know, for instance, virtually all grains and also all beans and, you know, even sugarcane. Uh, while sugar beets, you know, are a genetically modified organism and sugarcane is not at this point. Uh, much of the sugarcane crop is sprayed with Roundup as a desiccant. So it's really critical if you're going to be consuming beans, grains, and sugar from sugarcane, that they are USDA organic. Now, aside from the genetically modified organisms and the petrochemicals that are put on our food, the most damaging natural type food that we can eat are the polyunsaturated fatty acids because they're missing two or more hydrogen bonds, which means that they uh, go rancid or they oxidize really quickly. And we've only been, you know, exposed to these polyunsaturated acids for maybe 120, 130 years. Uh, the first one being when they learned to uh, extract cottonseed oil from cottonseed. And, you know, the problem is 
because our bodies have never been exposed to the seed oils in any significant amount. Uh, our bodies treat them as if they were uh, a more saturated type of fat. So they'll build our brains, you know, our cell walls, our mitochondria, our hormones, our central nervous system out of these polyunsaturated fats. But if it's, if it's building our body out of these polyunsaturated fats and they oxidize very readily, it literally means that we start rusting from the inside out and it literally jeopardizes every single aspect of health at the cellular level. Um, and it just so happens that these polyunsaturated fatty acids are even more damaging to the body than sugar and will create a pre-diabetic uh, insulin-resistant state even faster than the overconsumption of sugar will. Now, the major polyunsaturated fatty acids are the seed oils, um, you know, including canola oil, cottonseed oil, corn oil. Um, safflower oil, sunflower seed oil. So if you see any of these ingredients in the food that you're eating, uh, do not eat them. You know, next, the xenoestrogens or uh, crude oil, uh, you know, estrogens that we find in our plastics, um, including BPA, BPS, and phthalates. So it would be optimal to, you know, not put food in any plastic, but under no circumstance should we ever put food in plastic and then microwave that food. The safest of the plastics are high density polyethylene notated by uh, number two on the recycle code on the bottom of the uh, plastic um, bottle or container. There is a triangle. Um, sometimes it's on the side, but usually it's on the bottom of the container. And inside the triangle is a recycle code. And number one, polyethylene uh, terephthalate is very dangerous. Uh, number two, high-density polyethylene is one of the safest. Number three, PVC, uh, which is polyvinyl chloride, uh, chloride. Uh, is very toxic, but it's typically not used in food applications, uh, but it is used all the time in automotive plastics. So if your vehicle has been left in the heat, um, before you get in, you should really open the doors and let it out gas for a short period of time. So you're not getting, you know, that toxic dose of PVC fumes not as safe as number two, the high density polyethylene, but still much safer than PVC or number six and number seven uh, recycle codes is the low density polyethylene. Number five is polypropylene and it along with number two, high density polyethylene are probably the two safest of the plastics. Although even the two safest are still leaching um, some level of petrochemical into the food or liquid that is contained in them. Uh, number six is polystyrene or styrofoam, um, which is particularly dangerous if anything hot. Uh, 
is put in them. So best not to consume hot beverages <coughs> out of styrofoam. And number seven is the other category, but um, typically type sevens leach high levels of phthalates and formaldehyde. Uh, the standard Nalgene bottle, for example, is made out of type seven plastic. Um, next, the toxic halides, you know, fluoride, chlorine, bromine, you know, our body needs for our thyroid and a lot of other systems, the healthy halide, which is iodine and virtually everybody is deficient in iodine. And I recommend that everybody take an iodine supplement, particularly, uh, there's one I like, it's a nascent iodine by Dr. Group at the, the, uh, uh, Global Healing Center, and it's called Detoxidane. And, you know, most people uh, would highly benefit by taking three drops a day. It comes in uh, a small glass bottle with a dropper, three drops a day, plus a full dropper full a week. It can take up to a year of consistent iodine supplementation to actually top off your body's requirements. And as you're taking the iodine, it's actually going to dislodge the toxic halides from your thyroid, including the fluoride, chlorine, and bromine. And so that we're not putting the toxic halides into our body, uh, we need to be filtering our water. And a great way to do that is a Berkey filter with the black filters, not the white ones. Um, you know, that will filter out the chlorine, the bromine, and, you know, other uh, disinfection byproducts. It must be noted that if you live in a county and if you don't know for certain if your county fluoridates the water, you need to check. And a simple search engine check can verify whether or not your county fluoridates the water. Um, now, they don't put sodium fluoride in drinking water. What they do add are typically two. Um, chemicals. One is called hydrofluorosilicic acid and the other is sodium hexafluorosilicate. And these are actually byproducts of usually phosphorus mining. And in addition to fluoride, they can also contain things like lead and mercury and uh, uranium. These, uh, you know, the the fertilizer industry, you know, found that it was prohibitively, prohibitively expensive to dispose of the hydrofluorosilicic acid and the sodium hexafluorosilicate. Um, but they found that the EPA, uh, instead of paying the high cost to dispose of these toxic chemicals, chemicals properly, uh, they could actually sell uh, these toxic chemicals to municipal water uh, agencies who would then add them to the water supply and would call it uh, fluoridation. So if any of you live in an area with fluoridated water, I would recommend campaigning vigorously to have the law changed. Um, but if not, um, on your Berkey filter, you will need to install the optional fluoride and arsenic filters uh, because two things that the black sterile filters do not filter out is arsenic 
and uh, hydrofluorosilicic acid and sodium hexafluorosilicate. Um, and the fluoride filters have a much shorter lifespan than the black filters. You know, literally with the black filters, I've been using the same black filters for probably five years and I haven't had to replace them yet. But if I lived in an area that fluoridated the water, I'd have to be changing the um, fluoride filters about every six months. Now, you know, other things that we, it's critical and would certainly be in the Lord's law of health for us today would be um, not getting mercury-based fillings, the silver amalgam fillings. And if you do have them, I recommend that you search out a qualified biomimetic or biological dentist to have them removed versus a traditional dentist because it's the biomimetic and biological dentists in general that respect the toxicity of mercury, that it's the most toxic element on the periodic table next to the uh, radioactive elements on the periodic table. And when it comes into contact with cells, it literally causes them to explode. And you can be receiving 15 micrograms of mercury vapor from each mercury filling. And we received uh, a mercury warning several years ago for mercury laden fish at the level of two to three micrograms. Um, and each filling mercury filling can leach up to 15 micrograms. You have to times that by the number of mercury fillings that you have. Um, you know, the artificial sweeteners um, are far more toxic than actual sugar. And they uh, mostly include aspartame, sucralose, acephalsame, potassium, neotame, saccharin. Uh, these should be avoided at all costs. If you have to go thirsty, because that's the only thing available, it's better to go thirsty. And uh, one major indicator is that uh, the labeling on a product uh, is that it is low calorie or sugar free. If it's low calorie or sugar free, uh, usually there's some type of artificial sweetener and you need to look at the ingredients. You know, a no sugar or low calorie is far different than no added sugar, but it can seem to be the same. Um, Preservatives like carrageenan, polysorbate 80 and 60, uh, BHT, which is added to most uh, boxed breakfast cereals. Um, you know, polysorbate 60 and 80 are added to a lot of dairy products. Um, you know, look at the cream that you're buying in the store. If on the ingredients you see that it has carrageenan, polysorbate 60 or 80, mono and diglycerides, don't buy it. Look for one without any of that stuff that just has cream listed as the ingredient. And also stay away from ultra pasteurized dairy. A lot of times the organic dairy, milk or cream has actually been ultra pasteurized and you lose all of the benefits that you're getting from the organic when they ultra pasteurize it. Um, which just gives it a long shelf life. 
So when you're buying a dairy, uh, it's, it's certainly much better to be organic, um, but not ultra pasteurized. And if you can find it in your area, um, if it is pasteurized, but you can get non-homogenized, that's far better than pasteurized and homogenized. Homogenized means uh, they developed that process so that the cream wouldn't separate from the, uh, the milk. And so they actually uh, changed the shape of the fat and the protein during, during homogenization. And that results in something that your body can't readily use and, you know, actually has to be uh, detoxed by the kidneys. It puts a, you know, uh, a heavy load on the kidneys and so, you know, the most preferential is uh, raw milk, um, which has not been pasteurized or homogenized. And beyond that, uh, raw milk, which is mostly type A2. And again, the difference between A1 and A2, uh, A1 milk has a lectin-like um, protein, uh, casein type a two milk is not a lectin like casein protein and your highest ratio of a one casein comes from, you know, the classic black and white, um, Holstein cows, whereas the a two milk comes mostly from the Guernsey cows. And then all the other breeds have varying, you know, ratios of A1 to A2. Um, you know, there are milk producers. If you go to the health food store, you know, you'll see type A2 milk. Um, you know, locally here in Utah, there's a company, Redmond Heritage Farms. And, you know, they through, it's taken them years, but through selective breeding, they had developed a 100% A2 herd. And so, you know, the raw milk that they sell is not only raw, but it's also A2. And most of the time when people have uh, allergic uh, reactions to milk, the allergy is actually in response to the A1 casein. And they're usually able to handle type A2. Now, with pharmaceuticals, you know, Western medicine has developed some great pharmaceuticals for the use in uh, trauma or acute situations. Um, you know, however, uh, many of the pharmaceuticals developed for chronic conditions um, have side effects that are far more onerous than the symptom that it's treating. And two that I would highlight are statin drugs, which are used to treat cholesterol. Um, so from my research, from my study, from talking to uh, research MDs who do nothing but study cholesterol, um, you know, statin drug is one of the um, most health debilitating pharmaceuticals that you can take. Uh, it literally starts to dissolve the cholesterol in your brain, your central nervous system, every cell in your cell wall in your body, your mitochondria, 
your hormones, including your sex hormones. Um, there is almost no faster way um, other than being in an accident to, you know, contract dementia and to be confined to a wheelchair than on a statin drug. Um, you know, MSG, monosodium glutamate, often hidden in ingredients as autolyzed yeast extract or any type of autolyzed extract, or uh, it can also be hidden under natural flavors, um, has one of the same problems of aspartame, the artificial sweetener, in that the free glutamate is an excitotoxin, passes the blood-brain barrier, it excites the neurons in the brain to stay open so long that they absorb so many calcium ions that they die. Uh, and most of the major uh, systems in your body have free glutamate receptors, and it uh, hyper excites those glutamate receptors. And we've had pro football players going on the field after consuming a meal with MSG and having a heart attack. Um, so MSG has a cascade of negative health effects in the human body. And I recommend avoiding it at all costs. And when going to a restaurant, you know, asking to use any MSG, this is especially important with Asian restaurants. You know, stay away from all farmed fish. Um, when farming fish, you know, they're fed feed that uh, you know, one contains a lot of GMO corn and soy sprayed heavily with Roundup. Uh, they also, which is an herbicide, uh, they often also add pesticides to the fish food because so many of the farmed ocean fish get sea lice. Um, and as a result of, you know, being in these toxic confined quarters, um, fish are usually also higher in mercury than their wild uh, compatriots and also um, you know they're they're giving things like artificial astaxanthin you know to create the red color whereas in the wild they'd be getting natural astaxanthin uh, the artificial astaxanthin is not healthy for humans. So, you know, if you're going to the store, if you're going to a restaurant, make certain that the fish is wild caught. And, you know, the most common of these, and usually the one with the lowest toxic load would be wild caught Alaskan salmon. Now, radiation is becoming an increasing problem, especially from cell phones, cell phone towers, uh, and from, uh, you know, wireless uh, internet routers. And, you know, it creates these EMF fields, um, which have a deleterious effect on everybody that's exposed to them. Now, some people are particularly sensitive. And if you're sensitive to these EMF fields, it can be completely debilitating. 
And, uh, you know, that's often why if you get away in the mountains um, where there are no cell phone towers um, or wireless internet routers, um, within the first nights of sleep, you usually start feeling a lot better because you're sparing your body uh, exposure to the EMF radiation. Um, the, you know, optimally, you would hardwire your home for internet and not have any wireless routers whatsoever, uh, but would, you know, connect via an ethernet cable. Um, also, you should never keep your cell phone in a pocket or on your body. Your cell phone is literally a miniature microwave. And, you know, the incidences of brain cancer have skyrocketed. And so when you're actually talking on your cell phone, I recommend always using um, the speaker phone so that it never actually touches your head or your ear. Um, or using, you know, uh, a set of headphones, uh, but not standard headphones and not uh, Bluetooth headphones, which also, you know, emit uh, a radio frequency. Um, you know, but, you know, they have special uh, tubed uh, headphones that doesn't transmit the electric signal up the wire uh, to your head. They usually have a standard wire on the bottom portion, but then uh, it connects into a tube system that goes up to your ears. And, you know, Dr. Uh, Joseph Mercola has a great uh, set of tube, you know, headphones that you can use with your cell phone, uh, as well as many other manufacturers of particular concern, um, uh, is the advent of 5g. Um, the, the LTE frequencies, you know, are bad enough, but, you know, 5g, you know, approximates or operates approximately um, on both the LTE, which is the um, cell phone uh, frequency technology that predates 5G. It can operate on all of those frequencies, but it will also operate on the 23 to 87 gigahertz uh, range. And, you know, it was Raytheon that you know, pioneered, you know, the, the science into using um, these higher um, frequencies on the battlefield to do things like literally fry the eyeballs of soldiers on the battlefield inside their heads. Um, you know, when you broadcast at the 50 gigahertz, which is what is suspected was going on in Wuhan, China, at the beginning of the quote unquote, uh, coronavirus pandemic, um, they were, it was the first, uh, province in China completely wired with 5g capable of giving a concentrated burst and directed burst of, um, you know, 5g radiation. And when you broadcast at the 50 gigahertz range, you energize the oxygen and prevent the hemoglobin in the lungs from uptaping the uptaking the oxygen and you literally suffocate. And so instead of, and the symptoms 
uh, mimic very closely the symptoms of quote unquote COVID-19, except for you don't have a wet cough, you have a dry cough. And that's why we were literally seeing, you know, people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, you know, falling dead on the streets in Wuhan, China. Um, the thing about 5G is that it uh, travels only a very short distance, which means that you have to have a 5G tower literally on every block. And if there's anything that's blocking the signal, like trees, they have to be cut down or you have to add additional 5G towers to a block. Um, there, there is clothing that you can actually get that has an interior labor of silver uh, fabric that does protect you. It, it acts like a Faraday cage. Um, and LAMBS, L-E-M-B-S, is one of the companies that produces you know, this type of clothing. And so if... If you're going to be in areas where there is a lot of EMF um, radiation and there's nothing that you can do about it, you know, I recommend, you know, wearing this type of clothing in those types of environments. And, you know, at night, um, you know, charging your cell phone, you know, outside of your bedroom. And, you know, at night, if you do have wireless routers, turning them off. Now, the 3D body scanners in airports, um, while it's claimed that the millimeter wave technology, which is the same that is used in 5G, uh, is non-ionizing radiation. Um, you know, it was probably five or six years ago that the original... Um, TSA workers who were operating the 3D body scanners, you know, started getting cancer, you know, as a byproduct of their exposure to the um, radiation from these 3D body scanners, which although on non-ionizing is, is very dangerous to human health. And so when you fly, I recommend getting the pat down instead of going through the 3D body scanner. Um, you know, I've traveled all over the world and since the three body scanners have been introduced and I haven't yet gone through one. I also recommend not buying a house uh, that is within um, a quarter to a half mile of a cell phone tower. And if you currently live within closer than that to a cell phone tower, I highly recommend moving. Um, cookware. So non-stick pans like Teflon and all of the variants like Silverstone, et cetera, et cetera. They are made with a fluorine based compound compound that when it's heated, it outgasses. And it's toxic enough that if you, you know, have birds, you know, inside and they are too close to the pan that you're cooking with, it will often kill the bird from the, you know, fluorine that is released as you heat the pan. So I recommend getting rid of all Teflon, um, 
you know, coated pans. Now there are ceramic coatings out there that are very safe, um, that are nonstick. Uh, the, the problem with most of the ceramic coatings is that they don't last a really long time. Um, you can also get uh, an enamel coated cast iron and you know they do you know uh, a great job at being less stick than uh, a traditional uh, stainless steel uh, interior pan um, also stay away from aluminum uh, pans where the aluminum comes into contact with the cooking surface because the aluminum is going to be leaching aluminum into your food. And as we previously discussed, uh, aluminum is a very powerful neurotoxin. And it's one of the things that is put into vaccines to act as an adjuvant or uh, create a strong enough immune response that uh, actual immunity is developed, which is never as good as uh, wild immunity, which typically lasts a lifetime. The reason that you have to have booster vaccines is because any immunity offered by a vaccine uh, is, is very temporary. And most vaccines contain aluminum in the form of alum to act as that adjuvant. And oftentimes they, they take the polysorbate 60 or 80 uh, that is often added to the dairy, they will add that to the vaccine as a preservative. And um, the problem with that is, is it makes the aluminum far more able to pass the blood brain barrier and to build up in the brain. And another preservative often used in vaccines is mercury in the form of thermiosol. And either mercury or aluminum are powerful uh, neurotoxins on their own, but when you combine them together, uh, they exponentially increase each other's neurotoxicity. And when you add the polysorbate 80, you know, as another preservative, in addition to the thermiosol, um, you have something with at a minimum serious and possibly deadly uh, side effects. And, you know, it's, it's really this mercury uh, and aluminum, you know, as well as the glyphosate that are responsible for most of uh, the cognitive problems that we see in children, including autism. Now, there are things that you can do to uh, detox the body from the mercury and aluminum like Redmond clay. You know, however, with the COVID-19 vaccine that uh, actually goes in to change your DNA, you know, there's nothing you can do to detox that mRNA from your body, you know, once, uh, or I, I should say there's nothing you can do to detox the genetic reprogramming of your body that takes place once it has already happened. Now they do add other, you know, toxic elements to the COVID-19 vaccine like PEG or polyethylene glycol, 
So most of the negative reactions that we're seeing, um, you know, usually after the second dose, you know, is, has to do with the uh, addition of the polyethylene glycol, which is what prevents the breakdown of the mRNA uh, once it goes from negative 80 in its storage vessel to body temperature. And, and then that mRNA is included in liposomes so that it escapes detection in the body. Um, mRNA is so dangerous because it will reprogram the genetic code that your body would launch an autoimmune response and immediately uh, attack and kill it. So to avoid um, it being attacked and killed before it can reprogram your body's DNA, you know, it is packaged in liposomes, which evades the body's uh, autoimmune response against it so that it can slip inside the cell and reprogram your DNA and the polyethylene glycol, um, you know, makes it so that the mRNA doesn't degrade because normally in nature, it degrades very quickly. And so nobody should be getting the COVID-19 vaccine or any other vaccine that is generally available to the public. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't valid vaccine technology. It's just that um, normal individuals never get it. Um, however, the, the safest way to you know, take a vaccine would be uh, through the, the nasal passages because that is one of the, the natural passages into the human body. Um, one of the problems with vaccines is that they, unless they're administered through the, the nasal um, that they bypass the body's normal intake uh, mechanisms, which is the mouth, eyes, and nose. And so you're literally injecting a foreign protein into your body. Well, um, if you were to say have um, an organ transplant, you would have to be on anti-rejection drugs the rest of your life, or your body would attack and kill that organ. Well, the same thing happens with the proteins that the vaccines are grown on when they bypass the normal metabolic pathway introduction sites into the human body and are injected directly into the muscle. Your body mounts an autoimmune response to attack and kill those foreign proteins. Well, the problem is that if before that autoimmune response is activated, that foreign protein attaches itself to perhaps uh, one of your joints or one of your nerves, you, it can literally program your body to have an autoimmune disease to attack, destroy um, your joints and or your central nervous system. Um, You know, going back to, uh, you know, cooking implements, you know, it's best not to use, um, you know, plastic cooking implements. Um, if you've got, you know, a, a pan that, uh, you know, this, the interior can't be scratched, um, use uh, a wooden 
cooking utensil that hasn't been coated with a toxic plastic or, you know, silicone um, is much safer than any of the plastics as a cooking utensil. Now, when also be care of um, unseasoned cast iron, you know, pans that are not enameled. Um, you know, wait to use a cast iron pan until, you know, it's received a good seasoning because you know, that cast iron pan is going to leach a substantial amount of iron into the food. Um, you know, this might be okay if you're a young woman who is menstruating because, you know, you're losing uh, blood every month. And so that, you know, is a safety valve that lets off, you know, excess iron every month. But if you're not, and if you're a male, um, using unseasoned cast iron cookware or non-enameled cast iron cookware can, you know, quickly get your um, iron levels up into the toxic range. Now, when, when buying furniture, um, one needs to be careful of flame retardant chemicals that are, um, you know, added to the fabrics. Um, you know, they outgas and are absolutely toxic. Um, you know, there is, um, you know, furniture that uh, is certified organic that doesn't have the toxic flame retardant chemicals which outgas. Um, and so I recommend. Um, you know, getting, you know, mattresses and, you know, furniture that, uh, you know, has not been coated with the, the toxic flame retardant chemicals. Now, you know, other uh, man-made materials like linoleum, um, artificial wood flooring, um, you know, even, um, you know, vinyl, you know, countertops. Um, are also all leaching and outgassing toxic fumes. And so um, don't go with uh, a, a natural um, material in your home. If, if it's too late for that, uh, it's important that you crack the windows and you allow these uh, you know, toxic fumes to escape out of your home. Um, in reality, the more thermally efficient your home is, um, the less able it is to, you know, get rid of, uh, this toxic outgassing from the artificial products, you know, that, uh, your homes are built out of. So, um, on a regular basis, you know, crack the windows around your house and, you know, allow these things, um, to, you know, escape instead of just continue to build up in high concentrations. Now, personal care items like antiperspirants or anything we use on our hair or our skin. Um, the basic rule of thumb is if you can't eat it, don't put it on your skin. Uh, your skin is the largest organ in your body and if the molecule is small enough, 
Um, there's no faster way into the bloodstream than through the skin. And so avoid like the plague, any personal care products that contain aluminum, like any antiperspirant, um, things like parabens, which um, you'll find in most sunscreens and the parabens actually cause skin cancer. Um, so um, any personal care product that you're going to be using, I recommend that you get, you know, uh, a healthy alternative, you know, again, usually available at a health food store and, you know, read the ingredients. And again, if you can't eat it, then I would not be putting it on my skin. Now, a note about sunscreens. Our body needs vitamin D. And when we apply a sunscreen, we are preventing the UVB rays, which produce vitamin D when they hit the cholesterol layer in our skin uh, from forming. And so we, although we never, ever want to get sunburned, um, we do want uh, sun exposure um, that doesn't translate into uh, a sunburn, you know, so that we can get, so that we can make our own vitamin D3 um, and we get a whole host of other benefits from the, the rays of the sun, which are all canceled out, you know, with the sunscreen. So if you're going to be in a situation where uh, the sun exposure would result in sunburn, you know, I recommend, um, you know, a natural sunscreen, something like a zinc oxide, stay away from anything with nanoparticles. And I also would not recommend uh, a sunscreen with titanium dioxide, uh, but zinc, a zinc oxide based sunscreen is a great uh, alternative when you're going to have sun exposure that would uh, result in a sunburn. Now, there is an internal sunscreen that you can take, and it's called astaxanthin. Astaxanthin is the most powerful fat-soluble antioxidant. And astaxanthin is what gives you know, flamingos and salmon the red color. And you can get astaxanthin supplements. Stay away from artificial astaxanthin. Uh, the astaxanthin supplement that I take is by Nutrex out of Hawaii. Um, there, the astaxanthin is grown in special glass tubes with water that comes from um, artesian wells in Hawaii. Uh, very high purity and uh, a very safe astaxanthin supplement. Um, you know, the best price that I have found is actually at Costco. Uh, Costco carries the 12 milligram astaxanthin uh, Nutrex supplement. And as I recall, um, it's $49 versus $85 from the manufacturer. And usually once a year, uh, Costco will have a sale of $10 off. And so during the summer months, um, I recommend that everybody be getting midday sun exposure 
And if you're getting midday sun exposure, taking the astaxanthin will substantially increase your body's resiliency to sunburn. And also not consuming any polyunsaturated fatty acids. No, no linoleic acid, you know, none of the seed oils, the corn oil, soybean, cottonseed, uh, canola, uh, sunflower, safflower, not consuming any of these oils will greatly increase your body's resilience to sunburn because when our body uses these uh, toxic fats to build our cells because they oxidize so quickly, they make us much more susceptible to sunburn. You know, I noticed that when I stopped consuming these oils, um, um, my res- my natural resistance to sunburn dramatically increased and taking astaxanthin on top of that also uh, your body's resistant to sunburn. Now, the darker your skin pigment, the more sun exposure you need to make um, adequate levels of vitamin D3. So a fair-skinned Caucasian needs only a fraction of the amount of sun that uh, you know a darker pim- uh, pigmented individual is going to need. So take that into account. Um, and work up slowly so that you can, you know, handle, you know, about 30 minutes of midday sun exposure every day. And, you know, arms and face are not sufficient. You know, ideally, um, you know, put on a a pair of shorts or swim trunks and, you know, allow the the trunk of your body, you know, your legs um, to, you know, receive that sun exposure to get your vitamin D3 levels up. And if on any days that you're not getting, you know, sufficient level of sun exposure midday over the majority of your body, uh, you need to be taking a vitamin D3 supplement. And for most individuals, about 10,000 international units is what is required. Um, It's important to, if you're doing oral D3, to take it in combination with oral K2. Vitamin K2 tells the D3 where to go and how to get there. And it prevents your body from putting the D3 in the wrong place. And so there are many D3 supplements that have uh, K2. Um, You know, I take a, a separate uh, K2 supplement, the one, you know, I happen to use is called Nutrigold. And, you know, K2 also, uh, helps your body put calcium in the right places instead of calcifying your optic nerve and your arteries. Um, you know, when, when handling chemicals, you know, make sure that you're wearing gloves. Um, even something like, uh, you know, unless you're using just a natural soap or baking soda, uh, you should be wearing gloves. Um, and you know, if, if you'll try using just baking soda instead of, you know, a a cleanser, 
which usually contains chlorine bleach and, and other things, you'll find that just straight baking soda uh, equals the scouring ability of, of a cleanser um, in removing uh, you know, a wide variety of things that you would normally just use cleanser for. But you know, using natural you know, based cleaners is also important. Um, when washing your clothes. Again, instead of using detergent, which is a fraction um, of you know, the process that is gone through to refine crude oil into gasoline, uh, your detergents are you know, a fraction of that. It leaves toxic residues on your clothes. And I recommend getting a natural uh, soap-based laundry detergent. You know, the same thing. Uh, for dishwashing, uh, you know, liquid and, you know, the, the soap that you use on your body, that it's a natural soap and not a detergent. Because again, um, you're putting a high toxic load on your body uh, when you're using traditional detergents. And our bodies are made to detox, heal, and build all at the same time but because of the environment in which we are living, we're so inundated with toxins that our body gets overloaded with detox. Now our body can handle detox and it can handle a certain amount, but when our body becomes inundated with detox, um, you know, a large portion of healing and building shut down as, uh, our body's resources are devoted to detoxing and, you know, our bodies are getting behind, are storing the excess toxins in our fat. And so as we make these lifestyle changes, um, we have to realize that um, toxins that we've been building up in our body for years are going to start to be released. And, you know, this can make us not feel very well as these toxins are being released uh, from our body and it can put a high load on our kidneys and on our liver. And so, you know, a great way to assist this detox product to lighten the, the detox load on our liver and kidney is Redmond clay. You know, the, the FDA has now banned them from being able to advertise the use of Redmond clay for internal use, but indigenous populations have been using uh, bentonite clays for detox and healing um, for a very long time. And, you know, I've been, you know, using, uh, you know, Redmond clay for a very long time to detox and I've seen many, many others use it effectively for detox. And it, you know, especially as you start taking iodine and as you're dislodging all the chlorine, fluorine, and bromine from your thyroid, um, as you're adopting healthier eating um, practices, you know, the, the body fat percentage is going to start dropping and uh, these toxins are going to be released. And, you know, one teaspoon in uh, a glass or ceramic cup, never in plastic because it'll pull the petrochemicals out of the plastic. 
um, significantly reduces the detox reaction um, of these chemicals being liberated and um, the Redmond clay will help them to flush out of your body. And, you know, you can take a teaspoon of Redmond clay in water every day. Uh, you can add to that a, a, a seven day course of activated charcoal, you know, once every three to six months. Um, so these things will, you know, greatly uh, decrease the likelihood that you will uh, have a Herxheimer uh, reaction, which, you know, kind of feels like the flu as the toxins are being released and flushed out of your body. Now, you know, also take a look at the clothing that you're wearing. Um, yeah, just as um, BPA and BPS and phthalates will leach out of the containers that you're storing your food in, so will they in the clothing that you're wearing. And so, you know, I recommend staying away, especially for base layers and anything that's going to be touching the skin, uh, you know, synthetic fabrics, unless it's for a very short duration. Um, you know, if, if you're doing an athletic event that needs um, that type of clothing, then, you know, change as soon as you're done and don't make the synthetic uh, fabrics your everyday or loungewear. Um, you know, a great natural fabric is wool. And, um, you know, even, even with cotton, you know, cotton, uh, you can get organic cotton um, that isn't, you know, sprayed with a heavy load of uh, glyphosate. But uh, it is important to thoroughly wash your clothes, um, you know, before wearing them, you know, because, for instance, uh, the, the cotton that, uh, you know, your, your natural, you know, clothing is made out of, you know, unless it's organic has probably been heavily sprayed with Roundup and you really need to wash that out with a good soap, uh, before wearing it. Um, sitting for extended periods of time without standing up is, uh, has been shown by recent studies to be almost as deleterious on your health as smoking. So um, if, if you have a job or if, if uh, for whatever reason you're going to be sitting for long periods of time, make sure that you stand up at least briefly every 30 minutes. And that will uh, substantially decrease the, the, uh, difficult, you know, health effects of sitting for prolonged periods of time. And, you know, so a lot of people are moving toward, you know, standing or walking desks. Um, but if not, just make sure you stand up about every 30 minutes and, you know, even set a timer. If, if that, uh, 
is is difficult to to uh, to remember. Blue light. Um, blue light is you know important in setting up the body's circadian rhythm. You know when to wake up, when to go to sleep. Um, proper production of melatonin. Um, we actually need exposure to blue light in the morning. And this tells our body to wake up. And so, you know, I recommend uh, one of the first things you do in the morning is, you know, get some sunlight on your eyes, not filtered by glass. Uh, you know, even if it's, if it's just five seconds, this will help set up your circadian rhythm and program your body not to produce melatonin during the daytime uh, when you don't want to be drowsy, but to uh, start producing it in the evening. Um, blue light literally turns off our body signal to produce melatonin, which is what helps us sleep naturally. And so if you're going to be using electronic devices after the sun goes down, um, I recommend using a blue light filter. Now, blue light filters are a program that uh, is on most computers and cell phones, but it usually has to be turned on. And, you know, if you're watching TV or having exposure to, you know, other um, electronic elements, I recommend um, applying the blue filter. If it doesn't have one, you need to be wearing uh, blue block, blue light blocking glasses. And LED lights um, are almost, uh, most of them are blue light, which um, over extended and prolonged periods of time can be very damaging to the body, uh, especially the eyes. So while LED lights are very energy efficient and have a lot of advantages, um, they have a lot of negative health effects on the body. Uh, but now they, they do have full spectrum LED lights, which not only contain the blue spectrums, but also the red spectrums. And if you're going to be using LED lighting, I would recommend this. Um, and I would probably recommend LED lighting that doesn't include the blue light wavelengths um, so that you're not exposed to those blue light wavelengths at night. Um, you know, wrapping up on things that we should not be exposing uh, mm -hmm. our bodies to um, you know, certainly illicit drugs, um, you know, overconsumption of alcohol, you know, nobody, you know, getting drunk is, is unhealthy and, you know, alcohol, you know, is a poison. It has the same detox pathway as fructose, meaning that, um, alcohol is really just, uh, a highly refined sugar and, before um, it can be eliminated from the body, it has to be detoxed by the liver. Actually, just like fructose, overconsumption of fructose can cause cirrhosis of the liver um, as quickly as overconsumption of alcohol. So, um, 
fruit juice on a regular basis is problematic because while you would never eat 15 apples or eat 15 oranges in a single sitting setting, um, you can easily drink 15 oranges or 15 apples and, you know, get uh, a toxic uh, load of fructose. And, you know, fructose is really designed to induce uh, metabolic syndrome. You know, for instance, bears, uh, they don't eat fruit all year long until the fall. Then they start eating fruit, which signals their bodies to store all their calories as fat because they're about to go into a period of deprivation. Well, if we're about to go into a period of deprivation and uh, massive caloric restriction, um, you know, eating a lot of fruit is exactly the right thing to do. But few of us ever encounter um, food deprivation. And so the overconsumption of fructose, uh, while it doesn't induce metabolic or insulin resistance as fast as uh, the polyunsaturated fatty acids, it does even more quickly than glucose. And so the general rule of thumb is for, uh, you know, the, the consumption of, of no more than uh, 25 grams of fructose a day from all sources. And really that's all combined sugars, which uh, is about two pieces of fruit. Um, now, if, if you would like to get rid of a percentage of, you know, body fat, then the recommendation is no more than 15 grams of fructose a day from all sources. Um, CAFO meat, you know, CAFO is confined feeding lot operation, you know, where they're kept in uh, confined quarters and again, fed a diet mostly of corn and soy. Um, you know, these types of diets, you know, do not produce healthy meat. Um, what you want is meat from grass fed animals. Um, and I mean, most, most, you know, cattle is, you know, kept on grass and then they send them to a feedlot for the last two or three months where they feed them, you know, corn and grains to fatten them up. So ideally, you know, the beef that you eat is uh, grass-fed, grass-finished. And, you know, grass-fed, grass-finished, uh, you know, beef that's hormone and antibiotic-free um, is, despite what we've been told, an extremely healthy and nutritious food. What is not extremely healthy and nutritious are, uh, you know, poultry and pork that is fed a diet of polyunsaturated fatty acids. So poultry and pork, you know, fed a lot of corn and soy and canola um, does not produce a product that, uh, or produce an animal that has healthy meat. So when you're consuming, you know, pork and chicken, it's really important that it be, uh, you know, free range grass fed, and it is possible to get that type of meat, but you don't find it at the traditional grocery store, even if it's organic, it's typically been fed 
a diet of organic corn and soy, which although better than GMO corn and soy, uh, is still not healthy meat. Um, true grass fed, um, antibiotic hormone free, you know, beef is actually one of the healthiest foods on the planet. And, um, you know, but it is not sufficient to just eat the muscle meat. Um, one either needs to eat nose to tail, um, which means all the organs, or you need to be doing bone broth. You know, I, I'm not a lover of, of organs. And so I've always got two crock pots of um, bone broth, you know, going. And, you know, if you're taking the bone broth or the organs, uh, in addition to the muscle meat, then you're maintaining that methionine glycine balance, which if it gets too out of balance, uh, you know, you can get sick, uh, you won't be healthy. Um, but if you maintain that methionine glycine balance, then, uh, then you'll be very healthy. And, you know, you know, we, our bodies, um, are not uh, designed to harvest um, a large amount of nutrients from plants. Um, but our bodies are designed to harvest the nutrition stored up in animals whose bodies are designed to extract nutrition from plants. Um, you know, for instance, you know, a cow, you know, every bite of vegetable matter that they take, um, they will regurgitate up to 200 times. And as they're chewing it, it's mixing with their saliva, you know, it's breaking it down so that it can go into their stomach. And it's actually the uh, probiotics in their stomach that are uh, further breaking down the, the plant, you know, based nutrition and harvesting it and passing that along to the cow or the goat or the sheep. And so you have this continual process of, you know, mixing the vegetable matter with saliva and then it going down into the stomach, which is uh, probiotic rich and then going back and forth, back and forth, mixing with saliva, you know, then which is an enzymatic process and then allowing the um, probiotics in the stomach to extract the nutrition. Well, humans, you know, our stomachs are almost completely sterile um, and we, we produce bile and hydrochloric acid. And so you know, our stomachs are not designed to extract that nutrition. Now, our guts uh, need to be probiotic rich. But, you know, again, you know, the, uh, the probiotics in our gut are mostly designed to deal with, you know, healthy animal products. Um, you know, many plants, like we talked about last time, contain a defense system called a lectin. 
And lectins are sticky proteins. And these sticky proteins are designed to penetrate our gut wall, just like glyphosate does uh, in Roundup and uh, produce you know, leaky gut and a cascade of autoimmune you know, problems. Um, in addition, these lectins will travel up to our brain via the vagus nerve. And in the latest studies that I've seen, um, most MS occurs in people who are very lectin sensitive and over a lifetime have had lectins traveling from their gut up to their brain via the vagus nerve. The good thing is that, you know, this can be stopped if you stop consuming lectin rich foods um, and provide your body the building blocks it needs to be healthy. And like we uh, posted last time, Dr. Stephen Gundry uh, is a cardiothoracic surgeon, and he has a great list of high lectin and low lectin foods. Um, you know, the nightshades are an example of uh, a food that contains a lot of lectins. Tomatoes are a nightshade. And it's interesting in Italy, for the most part, they don't eat the skins and the seeds, which is where the lectins are contained. You know, if you take a nightshade like a tomato and you remove the skin and the seeds, then, you know, you've removed the lectin content, you know, in, in you know, grains, uh, beans, uh, all contain high levels of lectins. Um, an example of a particularly toxic lectin is ricin. Ricin is the lectin in the castor bean. And it's one of the most poisonous substances on the planet. Um, you know, gluten is a form of a lectin, but it's not the most dangerous lectin in wheat. Uh, the most dangerous actually being wheat germ uh, lectin. Um, now, using the fermentation action of, you know, a, a natural, you know, sourdough starter, you know, does go a long way to mitigating the lectin content in flour. So if you are going to be consuming grains, they really need to be organic because the non-organic grains have probably been sprayed with Roundup. And then it's a good idea to let natural, uh, the natural fermentation process work for uh, an extended period. Um, you know, that sourdough start, you know, goes a long way to breaking down the toxins, you know, present in grains. And you can also mitigate the lectins in rice and in beans by cooking them in a pressure cooker. But, you know, again, Dr. Stephen Gundry's website has a lot of really good information on um, foods that, you know, have lectins, those that don't, and, you know, how to prepare certain lectin-containing foods to remove or greatly minimize the amount of lectins in them. Now, in, in addition to lectins, we also need to be aware of oxalates. You know, oxalates are also defenses in many plants and, 
you know, they form crystals in the human body. They can attack joints. And, you know, when someone is storing up oxalates in their body and you look under a microscope, you see um, the, these crystal spikes that form and can cause great pain in the joints. Um, and, you know, there's some great uh, YouTube videos, you know, with, uh, you know, uh, some oxalate experts that describe, you know, the dangers of oxalates and how to stay away from them uh, in food, which is, you know, by, you know, avoiding, um, you know, different plants in our diet. Now, microwaves, you know, it heats food by exciting the water molecules and turning them into steam. Well, you know, this process destroys the cell wall. It destroys the, the vitamin and antioxidant levels of the food. And my recommendation, if you have a microwave in your home, use it only for a timer. Um, if, if you're building a home, instead of putting in a microwave, put in a steam oven. Steam ovens cook food almost as quickly as a microwave. But instead of destroying the nutritional content of the food, um, it actually uh, safeguards it. And they're, they're usually about the size of a microwave. Um, but never, never, never um, cook anything in a microwave in plastic. Um, or never cook microwave popcorn in one of those microwave popcorn bags. Um, again, they're, they're lined with a chemical that is fluorine based and absolutely toxic. And, you know, this goes back also, you know, completely the wrong type of fats are used and, they're artificial ingredients to give the flavor of butter that are absolutely toxic. You know, if you want to do popcorn, use an air popper or, you know, pop your popcorn in some virgin coconut oil, not going over 350 degrees. Um, it's also a good idea to stay away from, um, processed foods, uh, packaged foods, processed foods. Um, you know, most of them are made with the toxic fats, which are cheap and plentiful. And when you partially hydrogenate the fat uh, and you make shortening or margarine, you make it very shelf stable. Uh, however, you know, it's toxic and there are usually preservatives that are added um, you know, the best thing to do is to buy raw ingredients and, and make your own food. Um, and when that's not possible, be an avid reader of ingredients and know the toxic ingredients and do not uh, buy foods with those ingredients. Now, you know, as we, as we talked about before, uh, our bodies are designed to detox, heal, and build 
all at the same time and to assist our body with the toxic load that is on them. Uh, you know, Redmond clay is a great addition to the daily regimen, you know, take, uh, you know, a mug full, you know, in the morning, every day, a great way to decalcify the pineal gland in the brain, which quickly gets calcified and literally turns into a stone, um, mainly because of fluoride exposure, is boron. Now, boron is uh, a mineral that we all need, but most of us are very deficient in. And boron is a very effective detoxer and decalcifier of particularly the pineal gland and um, contributes to uh, a host of different bodily processes and um, recovery from uh, a range of degenerate disease. And one of the best ways to get boron is simply to pick up a box of 20 mule team borax. Borax is not a detergent. Um, it is simply a salt of boron. And, you know, it's, it's mined in two places in the world. You know, one is by Death Valley. And, you know, they, they literally mine the salt. They, they crush it and they put it in the 20 mule team borax box without adding, you know, anything to it. Um, you know, they, they also send the exact same powder to supplement manufacturers who will then mark it up 10,000 times in price and often add flow agents, which actually work against the absorption of the boron. So if you pick up a box of 20 mule team borax and then make a solution and take one teaspoon of borax into a quart of water and mix it until it fully dissolves. And then of that mixture, of that solution, take, start out with one teaspoon morning and night and build up to three teaspoons morning and night. Again, not of the borax powder, but of the solution that you make from one teaspoon of borax powder to a quart of water. And it, it tastes like soft water. You know, it does not taste great, but you can put it in anything. And if you put it in something, you're still getting all the boron and you can avoid the flavor, um, which isn't horrible, but it's, it's unpleasant. You know, I, I do admit, but, uh, the benefit is worth the unpleasantness. And if it's unpleasant enough, just add it to something else and work your way up to three teaspoons of the solution morning and night. And many people notice that, uh, after the very first dose uh, their dreams start becoming much more intense and much more vivid, which is one of the benefits of detoxing the pineal gland. Um, you know, bone broth is another powerful detox agent. And there is, you know, something called the GAPS diet, the gut and psychology syndrome diet, you know, developed by Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, um, you know, a Russian neurosurgeon who 
looked into, well, how do I heal my son from his severe autism? And, um, you know, her research, you know, showed that, you know, those with um, cognitive and behavioral um, disorders, you know, you know, autism, you know, they always have compromised guts, um, whether it be from, and usually a combination of vaccines and glyphosate and lectins. And so um, you have to heal and seal the gut and everybody is benefited by healing and sealing their gut. Um, almost everybody in America has a compromised gut, you know, unless you have been on uh, you know, bone broth for an extended period and are avoiding all lectins and glyphosate and, you know, have never had any vaccines, you have a compromised gut. And so if you have a compromised gut, you need to heal and seal your gut. And so um, one of the best ways to do that is to go on a bone broth fast and you want to get some grass-fed bones and boil them for an hour. And I do this in my crock pot and then turn down your crock pot to low. And um, I often will add some vinegar to you know, help break down the bones, although that's not required. And uh, I like to add a, a generous amount of Redmond salt um, you know, to flavor it. And then um, it makes a very delicious bone broth. And then I'll, I'll take a, a grass-fed roast. Um, and I will cook the grass-fed roast in my bone broth. And I do it long and slow. I put it on the, the lowest setting and, you know, let that roast cook for 12 to 24 hours. And... You know, it adds great flavor to my bone broth. It creates, you know, delicious uh, roast. You can take uh, a cut of meat that would generally be really tough because of all the collagen, uh, like a rump roast. And you cook it long and slow in that bone broth. And it breaks down all the collagen into something that is very tender. And so you take a, a very tough piece of meat and you turn it into a tender and delicious piece of meat. And, you know, collagen is a very, you know, essential protein. Um, you know, collagen is going to be in high levels in your bone broth. You know, bones have a lot of collagen in them. And about 30% of your muscle is collagen. And virtually all of your connective structure is made of collagen, your tendons, your ligaments, your cartilage. Um, so if you've got joint issues, or if you want to make certain that you don't develop joint issues, you know, tendonitis, or, uh, you know, things like that, uh, a diet that is high in collagen is really beneficial. And a, one of the best ways to get that collagen is, you know, you slow cook, you know, a tough cut of meat that has a lot of collagen in it. And you drink bone broth. And I, I try and do that every day. And uh, going on that bone broth diet will, you know, one, you know, especially 
you know, made with organic grass-fed bones. Um, that's going to cut off all of your exposure to glyphosate Roundup. Uh, it's going to cut off all of your exposure to lectins. Um, and it's going to give your gut lining, the collagen, the building blocks it needs to repair itself. And then once your gut has repaired itself, um, you know you're ready to go on to the next step. If then uh, you can add in grass-fed, slow-cooked meat with no negative reaction. And, um, you know, really the mainstay of the optimum human diet is uh, bone broth and grass-fed um, antibiotic hormone, you know, free uh, meat. And, you know, and ideally if you, you like them, uh, the organs. And we can get all of the nutrition in the most bioavailable form, uh, you know, possible, you know, to sustain uh, optimum health. And, you know, then uh, you can start adding in, um, you know, lectin-free, you know, vegetables. Um, and if your body is able to handle that without any negative reaction, then you know that your gut has healed and sealed. Um, although you don't have to. I mean, you can, you can live the rest of your life uh, in optimum health, um, you know, with, you know, organic, uh, you know, bone broth, um, you know, organic grass-fed, you know, beef, you know, and, uh, and organs. And if, if you don't like to eat organs, there are several sources of, of freeze-dried, you know, organs that you can just take in a pill form. And again, this has the entire range of, you know, vitamins, minerals that, you know, humans need to be optimally healthy. And, you know, once you've healed and sealed your gut, you know, if you want to add in, you know, low lectin vegetables, you know, I know I like to take, you know, onions and slice them up and add them to my bone broth. And this just adds an amazing flavor to my bone broth. And, you know, I kind of do uh, a bone broth, you know, slow cooked onion soup and I'll, I'll grate some Gruyere cheese on top and I'll put that under the broiler and it's fantastic. Um, now, going from detoxing to healing and building, you know, to optimally heal and build, like we discussed, we need optimum levels of D3. And most Americans are very deficient in D3. Even if we're getting midday sun exposure uh, during the summer, it's usually not long enough. And we usually don't have enough square inch of skin exposed to make all the D3 that we need. So if that is your case, then you need to be on a D3 supplement. And um, for most people, um, 10,000 international units a day uh, is adequate. Um, you know, getting your blood levels tested is optimum. 
And that way you can fine tune your individual D3 supplementation level. And, you know, taken again with K2. You know, healthy fats. Healthy fats don't make us fat. They make us lean and healthy. It's the unhealthy fats that make us fat and cause our bodies to break down. Now, you know, healthy fats would include things like true grass-fed organic, you know, beef tallow, um, virgin coconut oil, red palm oil. You know, coconut is a time of palm, type of uh, palm tree. And uh, red palm oil has a lot of the same healthy benefits as virgin coconut oil uh, with the addition of having uh, a broad spectrum of uh, tocopherols. Now, vitamin E is a fat-soluble vitamin, and we usually only get one of its eight components, which is alpha-tocopherol. Now, all of the components of a full vitamin E include alpha, beta, gamma, delta, tocopherols, and tocotrinols. And a great source of the tocotrinols is red palm oil. Um, and red palm oil has been minimally processed and it maintain, maintains the integrity of the fat, just like virgin coconut oil does. Um, you know, butter, especially grass-fed butter, is also an extremely healthy fat. If you can find raw grass-fed butter, um, it's a superfood. And with coconut oil and red palm oil, you can heat them up to 350 degrees without um, oxidizing them. Um, and so, you know, I usually, you know, cook with red palm oil or coconut oil. I have an infrared thermometer. I shoot my pan. If it's hotter than 350 degrees, I, I lower the temperature, you know, to keep it just under 350 degrees so that my uh, coconut oil or red palm oil don't denature. Um, you know, butter is another great option uh, to cook with. Um, it does oxidize to some extent, but, you know, if you remove the, the whey from the butter, you know, which is ghee, um, then, um, you know, you're not getting those, you know, oxidation products. Um, virgin, extra virgin olive oil is another healthy fat. Now, it's, it's largely a monounsaturated fat, which is not as healthy as a healthy saturated fat, but there are a cascade of healthy benefits with true extra virgin olive oil. Now, a lot of people ask about avocado oil. Yes, avocados are a very healthy fat. However, most avocado oil has been uh, adulterated with soy or canola oil. Um, and most extra virgin olive oils have been adulterated with uh, canola or soy oil. So it's, it's important when you're buying extra virgin olive oil to buy from a very reputable producer and you, you need to know something about its production. And in that instance, you know, it's great to drizzle uh, extra virgin olive oil that is not rancid on almost everything you eat um, after it's plated. 
um, most of us have only ever had rancid olive oil. So uh, an olive oil becomes soft and smooth and buttery as it becomes rancid. Um, a non-rancid olive oil is bright and intensely fruity or intensely peppery and actually burns the, th or you have a burning sensation on the throat uh, as it goes down. Um, and olive oil needs to be consumed within one year of its pressing. The worst thing that you can do with a great olive oil is save it. While vinegars last virtually forever, olive oil does not. Um, you want to consume olive oil quickly. If you've got a bottle that you're not going to be opening immediately, keep it in the fridge. Um, you don't want to keep it in the fridge uh, after you start using it because it turns into a solid. Um, but, you know, once you do open it, you know, use it generously and eat it quickly. Um, and if it tastes soft and smooth and buttery, throw it away. It's rancid. Um, you know, like I mentioned previously, you know, really essential for healing is the right type of iodine. Now, the most popular iodine is probably Lugol's, and that's great for external application. Uh, however, um, most iodines that are commercially available as supplements have a lot of impurities and these impurities, um, you know, are often, you know, toxic when ingested. Um, and so people, a lot of times have very negative reactions when they start taking iodine internally, but that's not because of the iodine itself, it's because of the impurities present with the iodine. And so, you know, Dr. Group's Global Healing Center Detoxidane is made from deep earth iodine crystals. They're 99.99% you know, pure and, you know, do not carry the associated risks of other iodines when taken internally. Um, and if I could only supplement, you know, one uh, substance, it would probably be, uh, you know, a good high quality nascent iodine. Um, and then D3 and then magnesium, magnesium, almost all of us are deficient in magnesium and, uh, almost everybody needs to be on a magnesium supplement and, uh, magnesium malate is a great magnesium supplement that, you know, particularly increases energy. Uh, magnesium threonate is a cutting edge uh, form of magnesium that passes the blood brain barrier and substantially will improve cognitive performance. You know, I personally take both magnesium malate and magnesium threonate every day. Um, magnesium threonate um, there is a patented form of magnesium called magtine. And so all of your magnesium threonate supplements are going to be made from, you know, that source. And it would be very difficult and very, very expensive to get all of your magnesium needs just from magnesium threonate. Um, so 
I get most of my magnesium needs from magnesium malate. Uh, I really like uh, jigsaws, magnesium malate. And then I combine some magnesium threonate for the cognitive benefit. Now, fermented foods, ferment, fermentation is how our grandparents and before preserve food. And, you know, it's estimated we've got about 100 trillion cells in our body now, not including, you know, viruses and things like that. And only about 10 trillion are human. And the, the non-human cells outnumber human cells 10 to 1. And uh, in addition to the microbiome we have on our skin and throughout our body, body, about 90 trillion of these are in our gut. And that's our gut microbiome. And it's the ratio between healthy and, to unhealthy that largely determines how healthy we are. Um, these micros tend to behave as colonies. So although you might have some unhealthy biotics, if the majority are healthy biotics, um, the unhealthy biotics will join in with a healthy and, you know, perform in a healthy manner. Well, the only way to maintain our healthy gut microbiome is to consume probiotics. And, you know, because we have about 90 trillion, we need to take them in quantity. Um, you know, ideally in the trillions. And really the only reasonable way to achieve this is through probiotic or lacto-fermented food. Um, and it doesn't take a lot of lacto-fermented food to get our daily uh, probiotic requirement. Now, if you have a compromised gut, you may not handle probiotics very well because the probiotics cause mass die-offs uh, from the unhealthy biotics in your gut. And if you've got a leaky gut, uh, as these unhealthy biotics die off, they release toxins, which go into your bloodstream, which can make you very sick. So um, it's a good course to start with a bone broth fast, allow your gut to heal and seal itself, um, then add back in slow cooked you know, healthy meats, and then to re-inoculate your gut once it's healed and sealed with the proper probiotics. And so simply a teaspoon to a tablespoon of something like a lacto-fermented sauerkraut or kimchi can achieve this. Um, you know, the probiotic that better colonizes the gut than virtually anything else is uh, kefir. Uh, or as they say in Utah, kefir. This is simply a lacto-fermented uh, European um, drinkable yogurt. And you can easily make it yourself inexpensively. Um, there are, uh, the, the agent to make the kefir is called a kefir grain. And it has nothing to do with grains, but you know, this grain is actually, you know, uh, a symbiotic combination of beneficial yeast and bacteria that break down the lactose in the milk into probiotics. And, um, you know, to make it, you simply take a glass jar, put some kefir grains in it, you know, add milk, 
keep it at room temperature for 24 hours, strain it out the next day, and you've got fresh kefir. And, you know, the better quality the milk, the better, you know, I use an organic raw milk and I make fresh kefir every day. But, you know, even when I was over in Europe and I was in the middle of Paris and all I could do was get this uh, ultra pasteurized milk that was in a box on the shelf, you know, I took my kefir grains with me and, you know, the kefir grains took that dead toxic liquid and it turned it into something that was alive and healthy. Um, you know, most store-bought commercial yogurts uh, actually don't have a very high bacterial count and uh, they're mostly sugar. Uh, it's, it's far healthier uh, to make your own yogurt, which you know is not difficult. Um, there is a, a great yogurt that uh, you can buy in the store. Um, it's a Bulgarian yogurt, and um, it's it's by White Mountain. And I recommend just getting the plain whole milk White Mountain Bulgarian yogurt. It comes in a glass jar, and I find that's a great yogurt start to make your own yogurt, or if you don't want to go through the trouble of making your own yogurt, it's, it's a great uh, yogurt to get your probiotic uh, daily dose. And especially a diverse, the greater the diversity, the better. So if you can take some kefir, you know, some um, high quality yogurt, you know, some lacto fermented uh, vegetable like uh, sauerkraut or kimchi, uh, that is optimum. Now, salt. You know, salt is known as the enemy. And indeed, in the form that we usually consume at table salt, it is an enemy. But table salt has been bleached, and there are toxic residues from the bleach that are left behind, and it's been stripped of its associated minerals. Um, now a natural salt like Redmond real salt or pink Himalayan salt is in its full mineral complement. Uh, thus the reason for its pink, uh, and or speckled color with the Redmond salt. Um, it hasn't been bleached and it was deposited long before, um, ocean contaminants, uh, became a problem. And so even with, with sea salts, and in reality, all salt is sea salt, uh, but, you know, those unprocessed sea salts, uh, they're still contaminated with modern-day oceanic contaminants. Um, they did studies. They, they gave heart attack and stroke patients, you know, who are on, supposed to be on extremely low-sodium diets, a teaspoon of Redmond salt three times a day with each meal. Uh, a teaspoon morning, teaspoon afternoon, teaspoon in the evening, and they show dramatic improvement. Most of the cells in our body have to maintain the same salinity as seawater. Um, our central nervous system operates on the potassium sodium gradient. And so a high quality Redmond or pink Himalayan salt um, is one of the healthiest things that you can add to your diet. And you should salt with those salts generously so that everything is savory. Um, 
and you should avoid regular table salt that has been bleached, stripped of its minerals, and oftentimes has toxic uh, anti-caking agents like yellow prussiate of soda that are added, which is actually um, uh, a form of cyanide. Um, you know, eggs, true grass pastured eggs uh, that have a healthy diet, not fed a diet of IFA, corn and soy, chicken food, but are outdoors, you know, eating bugs, you know, grass seeds, uh, getting sunshine, you know, that the yolks are deep gold um, in color uh, is you know, another superfood. Um, everybody would be healthier by consuming 10 to 12 uh, egg yolks like that, that are runny a day. Uh, it's what our brain is built out of. It's what our central nervous system is built out of. Um, unhealthy, <coughs> unoxidized cholesterol is not the enemy. That's not what clogs arteries. You know, arteries are clogged because of inflammation to the arterial wall, exposure, or even being built out of linoleic acid in the polyunsaturated fatty acids and uh, exposure to insulin. Um, the LDLs that, you know, one sees in the arterial plaque is just the Band-Aid. And, you know, calling cholesterol the enemy uh, is like saying that, uh, the firefighter caused the fire um, when he's just there to put out the fire. And, you know, the, it's, it's widely talked about uh, uh, healthy versus unhealthy cholesterol, the LDLs being the healthy cholesterol, the, uh, or the HDLs being the healthy cholesterol, the LDLs being the unhealthy cholesterol. Uh, in reality, LDLs and HDLs are not cholesterol at all, but they are a protein that carries uh, cholesterol. And the reason that the LDLs are demonized um, is because, you know, that is what is used as the Band-Aid, you know, to patch uh, the inflammation um, and damage that is sustained to arteries uh, when they have been made out of linoleic acid, the polyunsaturated fatty acids, and uh, are exposed to insulin. Now, as, as far as, you know, looking into the science of, you know, this carnivore diet that I talked about, Dr. Paul Saladino um, actually went through medical school twice. And when he went through his second time, you know, he, he knew all the, the basics. So instead of just trying to, you know, stay up with everything uh, that was being taught, he was actually looking for the root cause of human disease and noticing that all of these pharmaceuticals weren't treating the root cause of human disease. They were just putting band-aids 
you know, on them. And usually the side effects were worse than, you know, the benefit gained from the uh, symptom that had been treated. And so he's got a YouTube channel. I recommend going to it. And, you know, he, he interviews, um, you know, the leading scientists on a regular basis about, you know, optimum nutrition and, you know, why, you know, the human body actually was designed to um, get its nutrition from primarily healthy animals and then, um, you know, certain, uh, you know, fruits and, and vegetables, you know, especially fermented vegetables, you know, as, you know, a supplement. Um, you know, you, you cannot exercise your way out of an unhealthy diet. Um, but exercise is important, you know, especially weight bearing exercise, uh, lifting some weights is probably the most beneficial thing that a man or woman could do. And it becomes even more and more important as we age. Um, and, you know, lifting those weights, um, the most beneficial form is to have very slow repetitions, you know, 15 to 30 seconds down and up. And, you know, it's, it's really efficient. You know, you do between one and three reps and you're done and you've taken your muscle to the point of exhaustion. And if you're lifting, uh, you know, weights at a normal speed, you're typically only involving your slow and medium twitch muscle fiber. And, but when you go super slow, in addition to, uh, using your slow and medium twitch muscle fiber, you're also accessing your fast and super fast twitch, which means you're, you're, uh, involving 30 to 35% more muscle fiber than at normal speed. And in, in cardio, um, the same result is achieved with high intensity intervals or, you know, sprints, you know, short duration sprints, uh, you know, Dr. Mercola has really, you know, made famous what he calls peak eight, where you do a series of eight sprints at full speed, um, you know, punctuated with a recovery period in between each one. Now, uh, when starting out, you have to be careful and make sure that you work up to the ability to do a sprint. But for example, uh, you know, every week I like to find as steep a hill as I can find, uh, you know, in the mountains and do 20 to 30 second sprints, you know, punctuated by a recovery period. And, you know, you can do that on a road bike uh, or, you know, uh, a stair stepper, you know, go as hard as you can for 20 to 30 seconds, you know, with a recovery in between and do at least eight. And this also involves your fast and super fast twitch muscle fiber. You can run an entire marathon and never uh, engage your fast and super fast twitch muscle fibers. You know, one thing this does is it, it burns more calories. It 
uh, it builds more muscle and um, super slow weight training and high intensity intervals uh, while running or cycling or, you know, something, um, you know, analogous, analogous to those, it dramatically increases your body's release of natural HGH or human growth hormone, which, you know, is literally the fountain of youth. And, you know, again, it's primarily activated when you are, you know, stimulating your fast and super fast twitch muscle. And you will find that your recovery, you know, time greatly decreases and the benefit increases, you know, with that uh, increased uh, HGH release. Now, unless you're going to be doing uh, substantial exercise lasting for more than three hours, um, it's usually best to go into exercise in a fasted state because then we achieve something called autophagy. Now, damaged or malfunctioning cells have been marked by your body for recycling, but that really only happens to any great extent when we go into a period of deprivation. Well, we usually never experience periods of deprivation, so we seldom get into autophagy. So instead of being recycled, um, these damaged or malfunctioning cells just continue to accumulate. Um, however, when we go into exercise in a fasted state, um, our body breaks down these damaged or malfunctioning cells and they're recycled. So uh, one of the best ways to renew your body is to go into exercise in a fasted state. Um, you know, there are lots of studies, you know, showing that calorie restriction, you know, results in maximum longevity and a, a cascade of other health benefits. But um, they found that, you know, you can achieve the same benefits of longevity uh, by doing intermittent fasting as you can through calorie restriction, meaning that you don't actually have to restrict the calories. You just have to restrict the amount of time during which you eat them, which means that you cut out either breakfast or dinner, and then you put either breakfast and lunch or lunch and dinner uh, closer together. Um, and through... Um, you know, regular use of intermittent fasting, you know, again, we get uh, increased releases of human growth hormone, we go into autophagy, um, and we get the life extension benefits of restricted calorie uh, through not restricting calories, but just restricting the amount of time uh, during which our, we are consuming calories. Now, our bodies, um, we typically maintain one teaspoon of glucose per gallon of blood. As soon as we get to a tablespoon, we die. So once our blood sugar level gets over one teaspoon of glucose per gallon, our pancreas starts dumping out insulin. And insulin does a lot of things, but one of the things it does is it helps 
take the glucose into our cells so that, you know, we can lower our blood glucose level so that we don't die. Um, another thing that, uh, that insulin release does is it tells our body not to burn, uh, anything for fuel except for sugar. So as we elevate our insulin levels, um, it keeps us out of fat burning and keeps us purely in sugar burning. Well, what happens when we burn through all the sugar that we have in reserves? Well, if we have in elevated insulin levels, then our body is directed to start breaking down muscle and to turn it into sugar. Um, so as we start to have elevated insulin levels, um, our cells start getting too much glucose. And so they start becoming insulin resistant uh, because they're interested in their own survival. Well, as they become more insulin resistant, that means our pancreas has to pump out more insulin on a continual basis um, to force the glucose into our cells and to store uh, as much as possible as fat. You know, this is called metabolic syndrome uh, pre type two diabetes. Type two diabetes is a hundred percent reversible through diet. The worst thing that you could possibly do for a type two diabetic is to give them, um, endogenous insulin, uh, or an insulin injection, because the problem with type two diabetes isn't that we don't have enough insulin, which is the problem with type one diabetes is that we have too much. And so when you do insulin injections with type 2 diabetes, in reality, you're making the underlying problem 10 times worse, even though you may be alleviating a symptom. And so to reverse type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetic state, simply cut out um, all linoleic acid, polyunsaturated fatty acids, and uh, limit one's insulin responses, insulin spikes. So the human body can't handle an insulin spike in the day. But what we can't handle is insulin spikes throughout the day. So if you are going to have carbs, um, eat them in one meal. Um, that reduces the number of insulin spikes throughout the day. And um, when you combine uh, eliminating linoleic acid, the polyunsaturated fatty acids, the seed oils, you know, with uh, limiting sugar intake. And if you are going to be consuming sugar or carbs, you know, putting that into, you know, a single meal instead of spreading it out throughout the day, um, your um, insulin receptivity is going to come back and you're going to reverse your pre-diabetic or type two diabetes. Now, one more note. Um, DNC 49. You know, we, we get a lot of pushback on this concept of a carnivore diet because of what it says in DNC 89. Um, and a couple of things. One, uh, there was a printer error in DNC 89 that's, that uh, changed the meaning from um, consume meat, not only in times of famine to 
consume meat only in times of famine. Um, also, um, the meat, uh, the non-curing meat pre preservation methods back during that day were woefully inadequate. There were more soldiers who died on the, uh, during the Civil War from botulism in poorly preserved meat than there were on the battlefield. Um, next, uh, you know, the specific contents of DNC 89, you know, were simply the credo of the temperance movement of Joseph Smith's day with the spirit added to it. Um, so that we would not confuse um, the prohibition, you know, against meat. Uh, we have DNC 49, 18 and 19. Uh, in this, the Lord addresses uh, certain false doctrines of shakers. And there, there was a community of shakers that, that joined the church, Lehman Copley being among them. And they brought their false traditions with them, just like lots of false traditions were brought uh, with many converts. You know, you can see this in lectures on faith, uh, which were actually written by Sidney Rigdon and never quoted or never referenced by Joseph Smith, nor do we have any direct evidence that he had anything to do with lectures on faith. Um, Professor Noel Reynolds uh, has done the best research on that. And if you um, search engine Noel Reynolds and lectures on faith, uh, you'll bring up, you know, some great uh, lectures that he did on his research on why Joseph Smith had nothing to do with lectures on faith. And what we actually see is a lot of false doctrine introduced into those lectures by Sidney Rigdon, who had been an Anabaptist preacher. And that's exactly what we see. We see a lot of Campbellite doctrine in the lectures on faith. And in the same way, the Shakers, you know, brought their doctrine that uh, it was forbidden to consume uh, meat. And so in DNC 49, verse 18, and whoso forbiddeth to abstain from meats, that man should not eat the same is not ordained of God. For behold, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air and that which cometh of the earth is ordained for the use of man for food and for raiment and that he might have an abundance. And then if we go to DNC 59, Uh, verses 16 through 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as ye do this, the fullness of the earth is yours, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air, and that which climbeth upon the trees and walketh upon the earth. Yea, and the herb and the good things which come of the earth, whether for food or for raiment, or for houses or barns, or orchards or for gardens or for vineyards. Yea, all things which come of the earth in the season thereof are made for the benefit and the use of man, both to please the eye and to gladden the heart. Yea, for food and for raiment, for taste and for smell, to strengthen the body and to enliven the soul. And, you know, one note, I was just uh, looking over some protein uh, supplements that my nephew was taking, which were 
all plant-based. And, you know, I found a couple of things. One, they had lots of uh, ingredients that were very high in linoleic acid. Um, two, um, the sulfur-based amino acids um, are required to maintain proper uh, muscle structure. The most important muscle being maintained is your heart. And your plant-based proteins do not contain your sulfur-based amino acids. Um, B12 is available exclusively from animal products. And you do have B12 analogs in some plants and algaes, but B12 analogs, although they're touted by the vegan community as a B12 substitute, in reality, they're exactly the opposite. They prevent the body from absorbing B12. And we have, we have come to the, the end of this part of you know, our second series on the designs of evil and conspiring men and the Lord's law of health. Now we will open things up to question and answer and discussion.